Hear the word of God from Matthew 13, verses 31 through 32, and Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on pages 795 and 884 in your pew Bible. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Now, I think I've told this story before, but my grandmother and my mother loved to garden. They always had. I always remember all the different plants they loved to garden. My mother still loved to do it, and it's beautiful. Like, everything grows for them. doesn't really matter what they plant. They can plant pretty plants, and they can plant fruits, fruit and garden vegetables. It always grows. I, on the other hand, didn't get that same green thumb. It probably has something to do with watering those flowers or plants that has, you know, gets in my way. But I can paint flowers or arrange them way better than I can actually grow them. Well, today we have um, our text. And it talks a little bit, I think, about when it comes to faith, that those of us who don't have green thumbs might still get to experience some um, growth in our life and in our world. So let's take a look at it today. We have these two texts. First off, we start with the parable of the mustard seed. That mustard seed, I wanted to look it up again and just remember what that mustard seed was and looks like. You know, the mustard uh, trees, they've been found in various locations throughout the world. Um, They come from one of the smallest seeds that there is, and they can grow quite large. Uh, The mustard tree can grow in arid climates, dry climates. It can grow in clay and sandy soil. And it even said it could grow in in hot and dry weather, but it also can grow in cool and wet climates. What a variety of places it can grow. And one article even said that when you cut the tree down, the trunk, um, and it leaves this trunk, it grows back actually rather quickly. And it um, also has many uses. Of course, we have mustard, but it produces essential salts. And in one article, it said that the small branches are sometimes used for toothbrushes because apparently some variations of it, they say it prevents tooth decay and can alleviate toothaches. 
I don't know what that's true. That was Google, but we'll see. Apparently, some cultures do. When you think of these multiple uses of this mustard plant and the different ways in which it can grow, I can see why so many writers of different faith use the mustard seed as an analogy for faith. I mean, it can grow in dry times. It can even grow after it's pruned and it overcomes greatly and it comes back even stronger when it's cut down. And so that metaphor really can be wonderful for us when it talks about life of faith and it's not a wonder that Jesus uses it, right? There's actually several scriptures in which Jesus speaks about the mustard seed. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell of the passages from um, this scripture of the mustard seed. We also see it again in uh, chapter 17 where he says, Because you have little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there for nothing will be impossible for you. That mustard seed, it's one to two millimeters, which is like one sixty-fourth of an inch. I mean, so it's like tiny, tiny. And yet when it's planted, it can grow into really large trees and bushes. It's almost like Jesus is saying to us, the kingdom of God is like this, like this small seed. And it can grow into something where the birds can come and find rest in that tree. When I think of those disciples and as they were listening to these parables of the mustard seed, I'm reminded how they too often had faith as small as a mustard seed, didn't they? And yet we read about how it grew. That early church had faith as small as a mustard seed, and yet the scriptures tell us it grew by thousands. In the book of Acts, we hear about it. We hear about how the church grew as those disciples shared their witness with others. I mean, Jesus taught them all how to be a better human, how to live in relationship with God's grace and forgiveness in their life. And he showed them, he showed them what it looked like to love God and to love others. And in our reading today from the book of Acts, Jesus is saying to these disciples, now you get to take that mustard seed of faith and you get to widen the reach. He says, you're going to receive my Holy Spirit and you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it is what happened, isn't it? I mean, the Holy Spirit came. They were filled with God's Spirit, and then they went out. And they shared their stories and God's love with others. And what happened? Well, just like those mustard trees, it grew. So, what might we do with Jesus' command to be mustard seeds and to be a witness for God in our neighborhoods, our city, our country, and our world. It seems Jesus is very clear in both of these texts that the love of God is not to be kept for ourselves, but it's meant to be shared. We talked about this last week, but we're invited through the scriptures to grow deeper in our commitment to God. 
but we're also called to take the love of God and to widen the reach and influence others. It really is a connecting theme throughout scriptures. I mean, look back into the Old Testament. God started with the select individuals, Abraham and Sarah, and it grew. It grew from a, into a family. It grew into a community. It grew into the tribes of Israel. It grew into the kingships of the Old Testament, and it grew even larger and wider with Jesus. And then at the Pentecost, it grew its widest of all, spreading out to all people of all nations and to the whole world. We are called, aren't we, to be a part of that same story, to widen the reach of God's love into our world for all people. You know, we did a congregational survey last year, and we asked everybody to self-assess. How were satisfied were you in those seven spiritual practices, the ones of worship and small group, service, financial generosity, prayer, daily scripture reading, an invitation. And guess which one ranked at the bottom for most people? Any guess? Invitation. Yeah, right? 58% of y'all said you were dissatisfied with the spiritual practice and you wanted to grow from it. But let me start out by saying it's, that's true. I mean, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy when we take a look at getting to know new people or inviting people when we're talking about faith. I mean, if you're like me, even those of us extroverts, it's, it's not always easy to meet new people. I mean, getting that first conversation started can be uncomfortable, isn't it? And if we're honest, at least I am, I can let my over-busy schedule really narrow my scope of outreach find ourselves, stop making connections with new people, because really, it's much easier and more comfortable, isn't it, to have conversations with people that look like us, talk like us, people we know. It's easier. It's more comfortable. And, you know, when we asked y'all to share what were some reasons why you were reluctant to invite others, you gave some really good reasons. You mentioned how you felt uncomfortable discussing religion with others. You talked about not wanting to pressure people or the fear of being rejected. You can really get those. Some of you even mentioned that you don't really feel you know enough about faith or the church. Be capable to invite other people. And I can get that. It got me to thinking, you know, what do you do when you go, when you go to a really good restaurant or you see a really good movie? How many of you tell somebody you know about that experience. Anybody? Yeah. Why? Why do you tell them? You want to share it, right? Yeah, because it's really, really good, like Bella's chicken piccata, right? It melts in your mouth, and you just have to tell somebody about that. But I mean, call me idealistic, but I think we do share our stories of good experience with others because we want for them to experience that same goodness that we had, right? And I think the same can be true for us about the goodness of the love of God and our faith. 
I mean, when we talk about invitation or witness, or dare I say that word, evangelism, that's just kind of gotten a bad rap, we're not talking about pushing our faith onto others. We're, we're not talking about winning people over to our belief system or convincing them that our church is the place they need to be. I think invitation is, is much more about being authentic and real with people about the goodness that we've experienced in our life. And I think it begins with us remembering the mustard seeds of our faith. And for me, that was the first guidepost I saw in this text this week. In your bulletin, you've got an insert, and you can list some guideposts, but the first one I saw was your mustard seed. I mean, think about it. These disciples held on to their mustard seeds of faith, and it grew. I think if we could remember our mustard seeds of our faith, it could remind us why do we keep seeking after hope and faith and love in our life. I mean, we don't have to have all the answers. We can be filled with doubts and with questions and uncertainty. They're all part of our life of faith. But when we remember our seeds of hope and why we keep coming back, it can remind us of the goodness of God that exists in our life, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but faith can easily be taken for granted, right? But when we can stop and reflect on that glimpse of hope that we have, the hope of the divine that's in our life, it not only restores our souls, but it also can provide us an authentic way in which we can share that goodness with other people. And so I wonder this week if maybe one next step for you is to spend some time just reflecting on what is that mustard seed of faith that you hold on to. What's that story where you've seen God's love show up in your life, maybe this week, or maybe at any point in your life. You know, sometimes the story that you hold and find a way to share with somebody else is just the story of hope or encouragement that another person needs to hear. And the second guidepost that I saw in this text this week was in the disciples' witness in the New Testament that it was birthed out of real relationships with other people. The New Testament's disciples, they ate with strangers. They shared communion with foreigners. They they cared for the people in their community. These New Testament disciples, they gathered together and they formed real relationships with people they didn't know. And I think the New Testament invites us to share God's love in word and in action with others too. And I believe we are to do it in ways that are authentic to ourselves. I mean, think about it. These disciples didn't have any degrees. We don't actually even know if they were literate. But they had a story of faith. They had experienced God's love for themselves. And they went out just as they were. And they shared it with others. I mean, if you love to serve others with hospitality, then when you serve like Jesus, you are sharing your faith. For others might see Jesus in a new way through you. 
Or think about it, some of you might like to discuss intellectual concepts with other people, debate intellectual issues. And so when you're engaging with people in those kinds of conversations, you might just have an intellectual opportunity to talk about a loving God, the one you see. Or maybe you're one who likes to engage in interpersonal relationships. And so when you're involved in conversations like those with people where you are listening to their life and their struggles and their heartaches, you might find opportunities where you share your hope and your faith and your life with them. So maybe I wonder if a next step for all of us is to think and pray about who is somebody in your sphere of influence that you might get to know better. Somebody that you might get to learn a little bit more about actually who they are and listen to the stories of their life, focusing on the relationship, not worrying about the result of it. You know, I think when we talk about the spiritual practice of invitation, we need to be reminded that the presence of God is with us. And it can be hard and risky when we talk about building relationships, but it's about building relationships to get to know another person. It's about building relationships to listen to another person, not worrying about the results of that relationship. And that does take me to the third guidepost I saw in our text. These disciples, when they went out and they shared their faith, they trusted the Holy Spirit. I noticed the disciples didn't go out trying to do this on their own. They trusted the Holy Spirit was going to guide them in their invitation to who and how they shared the message of Christ. And I think when we talk about living out this, this spirit of invitation and spiritual practice of it, we're to be reminded that the Holy Spirit goes with us, alongside of us, and in partnership with us. When we can trust ourselves and trust God to guide us to how and where and if we share our faith with another person. I mean, when we listen to their stories of another person, when we get to know them and their life and build a real relationship with them, I believe we can trust the Holy Spirit to guide us to when we might take the risk of inviting somebody to our small group to serve with us, maybe do a concert choir, or maybe even to church. And the thing is, they may say no. But they may be glad you asked. Because think about it. When you invite somebody to something, it means a lot. I mean, it tells them that you noticed them. That they're welcome to the place you're inviting them. It means they're included into something that you're doing. And it means you care. We carry with us the good news of God's love and acceptance and grace. And it's a grace that's meant for every human being. And the thing is, we don't have to have it all figured out, and we don't have to have all the answers. But I do think that when we can remember the good news of God's love for ourselves, our own mustard seeds, and when we can build relationships with another person, well, then we can trust the Holy Spirit 
to bring us clarity and courage that we might invite another to join us as we explore this life of faith, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, and a place of belonging. You know, when I think of what it looks like to take that mustard seed of faith and to widen the reach of God in this world, there's a prayer that always comes to mind when I think of those two things, and it's the prayer of St. Francis. And so I thought I'd close with that today. Let us pray. Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we might not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And now I invite the ushers to come forward as we share together in God's tithes and offerings. <coughs>